Carl Gray is a graphic designer, and there are a lot of great graphic designers, so what? Well, Carl has done things differently. While everyone else builds their profile through local networking and competing with all the other bottom feeders, Carl turned to YouTube and built a massive audience and an international client base. And in this week's show, he tells us how he did it and how you can too. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can also grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Carl. So this week I am delighted to welcome Carl Gray to the podcast. Carl Gray is Honestly, probably one of my heroes when it comes to YouTube um, and also an amazing designer. I'm really excited to finally get to spend some time with you. So Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Oh, I accidentally called you Colin. Sorry. You did, but that's Colin. fine. That'll be the <laughs> last fine. time you hear Colin. So, Colin, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Col, which is short for Colin. Uh, I'm a graphic designer. Uh I would probably say a brand designer as well, brand strategist. I have a design agency called Pixels Inc, where I essentially specialize in logo design, but do things such as business cards, brochures, vehicle signage, all the things that basically visually represent your business or organization, uh, I will take on board for you. And... Unlike most of my podcast guests, you live only an hour or so away from me. And I'm usually kind of strict that I try not to have my, I try not to make this podcast parochial in the normal sense. But for me, I think you're such a standout case study that I refer to when I'm working with clients all the time. You don't know any of this, but it's true (laughs) because there are lots of graphic designers. There are many, many graphic designers. Any of us, anybody listening could walk out and find 10 graphic designers within 10 minutes if they tried to. But knowing a little bit about your story and the way you've built your business, you've done some really unusual things that have worked really, really well. And that's what I'd really like to spend some time playing Mm -hmm. with. I think the thing you're best known for is YouTube. So rather than me ramble on, why don't you just start telling us a little bit about the YouTube story? Why? Uh Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, basically, uh, around about 2014, 2015, uh, I discovered this thing called content marketing through Chris Marr, who had the Content Marketing Academy. And I signed up to a masterclass with Chris, which was six months. Uh, learning about content marketing, inbound marketing. Because up to that point, I I wasn't advertising. and I was doing some basic networking to try and get business. Most of my clients, I'd say 95% of my clients were in Dundee or the Dundee area uh, with a few maybe further afield up in your neck of the woods, Bob, in Aberdeen, and maybe one or two down in England. And that was that was my core um, audience. And like many graphic designers, you've already mentioned, you know, kind of to a penny, 
so I was I was in a big competitive market and needed to you know needed to get work and wanted to kind of raise awareness and I heard about this content marketing thing where I'm not a big salesy person I find sales uncomfortable I'm a designer um, I'm not a salesman and so this thing content marketing that was based on answering questions and being helpful and building trust and awareness through just being a helpful person really aligned with my way of kind of wanting to attract clients and do business and so the main thing you know that we're kind of taught about content marketing was creating blog posts and writing blog posts on your website that answered the burning questions that people would have around for me around graphic design and branding and um i don't like writing um i find it difficult uh, i'm not a bad writer people have said that they enjoyed the blogs that i'd written but uh, I, I it wasn't a big thing for me and there was two triggers that moved me into youtube um the first trigger was I'd met a, I had a client come to me. Well, they weren't a client. They were a lead at that time, I suppose. And they wanted some help with uh, some, some of their branding. And I'd asked them to send me a JPEG, send me a JPEG of their logo, uh, which they said they would do uh, to give me a better idea of colors and things. And that logo never came through and I never saw that client again. And about four or five weeks later, I bumped into them at a networking event and they were actively avoiding me. And I was a bit, <laughs> bit concerned. I was like, oh, I've obviously done something wrong or, or they found someone else and they're a bit embarrassed to tell me. And I was fine with them finding someone else. I'm, you know, that doesn't bother me. Um, I, I don't expect to get every single job that comes my way. And so I went to speak to them and it turns out that actually they just didn't understand what it was I'd asked for and they were embarrassed to come back to me and say actually I don't know what a JPEG is but because of the way I'd said it so nonchalantly that it was sort of as if it was the most basic request in the world they were embarrassed that they didn't know what it was now a lot of people may be thinking well why didn't they just google it but she wasn't very she's not very tech aware she you know was very basic in her understanding of computers and I was embarrassed myself because I thought I didn't want anyone to feel she said she felt stupid and that made me feel really bad I didn't want anyone to feel stupid or dumb um, just because they didn't know something we've all been there at pub quizzes where you know a lot of people get the answer straight away but just because you don't know something doesn't mean that you're you know you're you're stupid in a way and so that struck a chord with me and I was speaking to a few people about it and a lot of my blog posts I'd kind of been talking about you know what's a brand strategy and you know what is a brand and I realized my content was still high level for some people some people needed to come in at the ground floor you know real real basics um and so I thought right you know what I'm going to do? I don't want anyone to feel stupid. So I'm going to start creating content for business owners who want to have better communication with graphic designers. And that will do two things. That will mean that the customer or the 
the client feels more confident when they're dealing with dialogue and some jargon and buzzwords, but it will also help every graphic designer to know that they're dealing with a, a business owner who has a basic understanding of design terminology. Um, so this wasn't all aimed at me getting more work. I wanted to improve the reputation of the design world as well in in that we could be helpful. And it was Chris Marr again who kind of said, well, why don't you do this through video? And I was like, well, I don't like getting my photograph taken. I don't like hearing my voice played back to me. I, I felt I sounded like Rab C. Nesbitt, if anyone <laughs> remembers Rab C. Nesbitt. You know, I never knew that I sounded so Scottish. And um, and he went, and I, and, I, and I was like, why though? Why should I do... There's a, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of designers with YouTube channels. The last thing we need is more noise. And Chris said a great thing, and it always sticks with me whenever I'm going to write a piece of content. He's like, yeah, you know, there probably are a lot of people out there who've talked about what a JPEG is, but only you will do it in your voice and deliver it in the way that you'll deliver it. And people are attracted to content that resonates with them and it, and the way it's written resonates with them and the way that the content is delivered resonates with them. So why don't you just give it a go? And I thought, you know what? I need to push myself out of my comfort zone here in order to help others. I can't, this isn't all about me anymore. This is about helping others. And so I did that. I pushed myself out of my comfort zone and I recorded my first video and it was, I'd say it was the scariest thing I've ever done, but really it was equal to publishing my first written blog post because you're opening yourself up to criticism and the difference between writing and a video is that people can see you. They can see you and they can hear your real voice. And it's absolutely terrifying <laughs> to do that. It absolutely is. I think one of the things that I, I mean, I'm very new in my YouTube career, but it was very similar with the podcast. But the video, it really does accentuate that experience of, well, we, we all compare ourselves to other people. And we never compare ourselves to people who are further behind no. or have, have more disadvantage. We only ever compare ourselves to the people who are much further ahead with much greater advantages. Um, I'd agree with that. It's that, it's that saying, um, never uh, never judge your beginning by someone else's middle. Yes. But we are very good at doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think another thing that I find happens a lot, and particularly in the creative sector, is when designers um, and marketing people in general come out to start doing a little bit of marketing, they end up marketing to their competitors and their peers rather than their actual customers. And they wonder why their content doesn't hit the mark. And mm -hmm. you discovered that very early on that, as, as you said, it, it's surprising how foundational content needs to be in order for you to really effectively communicate. And for the audience that you really want to connect with it, it's it, it surprised me a lot that we assume people know a lot more than they do. Mm -hmm. And there's also this anxiety that somebody else has said it, but your people want to hear it from you. We've all, yeah. I think we've all been there in sort of conferences, events, networking, where you, you want to ask a question, but you feel it's too basic then someone else asks someone else plucks the courage up to ask that question and you could see the whole room 
breathe a sigh of relief because they all want to know the answer, but they felt it was too basic. And that was valid. That feeling and knowing that that happens every day because there's always there's always new people coming along there's always people being born growing up and not knowing the terminology so as much as there are people who are always getting better and understanding there will always be people who need the basics Um, and one thing that i will say quickly is that another lesson that i learned was that you should if you want to get traction over time create content that's always going to be searched for evergreen content as it's known you know if you start creating content which is of the moment and is reactionary to things in the news and stuff you may get a really quick hit and a quick you know a large viewing at that time but then it becomes dated and it doesn't really work um i've done a few topical pieces and they do get a a bit of a boost but then a month down the line, they're my least performing piece of content compared mm. to content I created three years ago, which is a question that people are constantly looking for the answer to. I think a lot of people, when they look at YouTube in particular, is it, it appears to be so much work and you have to, mm. unless you're a psychopath, <laughs> probably going to be feeling quite vulnerable. So the psychological barriers to entry are very high. And the perceived return, short-term return anyway, is mm-hmm. appears marginal. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear from you. Obviously, you're you're five years into your YouTube journey now. What mini successes did you have right at the beginning? Were there any? What what what, what was your? Um, what, were there any early benefits? Um, I think one of the early benefits is it. Well, what it taught me was it taught me that. Um, I, as a designer, and I think many people in their careers, if you've been doing a certain thing for a while, if someone asks me to design something, there's a certain amount of muscle memory that I can just do the thing. I can just do the thing. But when you have to start writing content to teach people, you have to do it in a methodical way that makes sense to someone who's never heard of this thing before. And so it actually made me analyze more what I do and it gave me more confidence in my own abilities because I was like you know what I know a lot of stuff and <laughs> I I should be and, and and that then gave me a boost that I should be sharing more of the stuff that I know how to do um, some people worry that it's like you know giving away magical secrets and and I did have some designers who questioned me when I, you know, was kind of giving away how things were made and created and what the processes were. And it's like, well, if you give all that away, why don't they just do it themselves? I said, yeah, but it doesn't work like that. It, you know, by opening up and showing people the processes, you're being, you know, you're building trust because you're not hiding anything. It doesn't mean that they can go away and do it. It just means that what actually happened was they go, calls showing us everything here um and i i really need that service and so i trust call i'm going to go ask him if he'll design this for me or help me with this project um and that was one of the biggest lessons was that by being open and truthful and helpful 
it was much more advantageous than hiding my pricing and not, you know, being very cautious on how much advice to give on certain things in case they went away and went with another designer and stole my ideas. And I just found that video just helped me open up so much more. Um, and the returns were hugely uh, exponential compared to the, the old way of working. Um, well, I, I I'd like to come to that in a little while. I think. Did you get any negative reaction? Um, honestly, no. Um, to be honest, nobody watches your first video. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows it's there. You know, it's like we've we've got this thing about I'm going to put this video up and the world is going to judge me. Nope. Maybe your your mum and your partner, maybe one of your friends might watch it, um, and kind of you know take the mickey out of you um but other than that very few people will watch your first video i think we all have a sense of i don't mean this in a bad way but we all have a sort of a sense of ego that we're going to put this video out and then everyone's going to watch it and we're going to look silly nobody's going to watch it <laughs> um it takes a little bit of time i mean i'm sure you'll back me up on that bob i mean when you did your first video i'm sure you didn't get thousands of views straight away well i had a fun experience because i i am i was like super anxious about putting my first video on because i was really really anxious when i started the podcast journey and if you go back and listen to episode one you'll hear that yeah um, but for me it's quite normal now it's it's enjoyable but the first YouTube video was that whole anxiety all over again. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to put it on YouTube. I'll wait until a YouTube audience discovers it. I won't mm -hmm. share it anywhere else. And then the next day, my wife said, are you going to share that video anywhere? <laughs> yeah, all right. Put it everywhere. And surprisingly little traffic, surprisingly little traction. I think mm -hmm. I maybe, even now, that first video has got maybe under 100 views. Mm hmm and you had to work for them. So yeah, I think one of the things with YouTube that people don't realize is it's actually a safe space to play with video, which I didn't anticipate. Yeah, it's and it's a long game. Mm. So don't, you know, um, be prepared for that. You, ha you have to invest um, the time and time is a big thing for me. I don't have time for video, but uh, all I would say is, is that, you know, YouTube is the world's second largest search engine after... Google, uh, and many people treat YouTube as an entertainment platform, you know, rather than a search platform. And I've uploaded videos to YouTube. Um, the the more the longer you're on YouTube, just to get a little bit technical, is you build more kind of uh, equity with the algorithm of YouTube, and so you kind right. of build up uh, over time. Uh, but I've produced, I've produced videos, uploaded them to YouTube, and after three or four hours, they've appeared on page one of Google. Wow. You know, um, and I've I've got videos up there, and that's not going to Google and doing the search, and then having to click on the videos tab, which is next to the shopping tab. That's on page one of you know the main Google results. Um, and the good thing with that as well is that if you have videos which are related to that topic it will show those videos next to it as well. So for some search results, I've got three videos showing at the top of page one of Google. Um, so don't discount YouTube 
as you know something where you'll create videos that you put on your website it's a search engine answer the questions and people will search for them and find them so obviously you're five years into youtube now i would be interested to hear from you because obviously you speak about a youtube channel as a long game and the way i often describe it to clients is you can do ads and that's really a short-term strategy it's mm -hmm. a good strategy you start doing it today it'll start working today you stop doing it today it'll stop working today and then there's a medium-term strategy so things like social media micro content mm -hmm. that social networking that kind of thing is so you start doing it today you might see a benefit in a few months or you might get luckier today mm -hmm. whereas with youtube and it's this, similar with podcasting similar with blog you start doing it today probably you'll be speaking into a vacuum for a long time yeah but then one day something happens and it pays back like a high interest bank account mm -hmm. what was your experience of that um i think the good thing about me for video was that i already knew because video is basically is part of content marketing um and chris had always said look this is no quick fix you're probably looking at like 18 months to two years before you start to see results. So you have to be prepared for the long game. Um, and because of what you said there as well, is that, you know, you, you could be speaking into a vacuum. Try to take that on as a positive in that you have time to improve before, you know, you start to get a lot of um, traction on your content. But what one thing I would say as well is, is don't be tempted to remove old content unless it really is not relevant anymore. Because one of the things that um, I found actually was people actually liked to see the journey um, and the changes and, you know, how how you are on camera and how you present. Um, it's like you said, Bob, you were really anxious with your first podcast, but now you enjoy it. Um I still get a little bit nervous when I before I hit record on the camera, but you know I can record and edit way quicker than I did for my first videos, which took me days um, yeah. to record and days to edit um, because I was much more of a perfectionist as well. I felt as a graphic designer, my videos had to be perfect. Uh, but now I'm just like, you know what? I'm a human being and I want to be a human being and be approachable on camera. I don't mind if, like my first video is I would cut out every single um and air. Now there were a lot of them, uh, <laughs> but I don't nowadays, I don't, I leave a lot of them in because it's just, it's, it's, it's a natural rhythm of speaking, but I have got better actually just having silence where I let my brain catch up. And that actually those, those pregnant pauses help because people are waiting on the next thing coming in. Um, I've had a lot of positive feedback that I speak in a, not slowly, but I, I speak in a, at a good pace. Whereas there are a lot of YouTubers, especially the American YouTubers, they speak very quickly, really, yeah. really quickly. A large part of my audience um, are not native english speakers and so uh because i do speak more uh more slowly i think they find it easier to to understand me and i also make sure that 
the majority of my videos have captioning as well not the automated captions but they are hand done so they're correct with a scottish accent youtube's auto caption feature has created some hilarious um automated subtitles for my videos um, <laughs> and uh sometimes not in a good way uh so i i try to do that so and just because we all know that many people watch videos with the sound off so captions should kind of be one of the key things that you include these days so how long into your youtube journey were you before you started to see what we would when you started to notice that there were some odd things happening um okay i I suppose the first thing that we all get fixated with with when you go onto youtube is subscriber numbers how many subs have i got today how many well, subs have I got today? I am, you know? I am super conscious of this. And anybody <laughs> listening, you can hit pause right now and you can head over to my YouTube and subscribe. That's a good opportunity. I don't run any paid promotions on this podcast. This is your thank you. Head over to YouTube now, like my, like, subscribe to my podcast channel, subscribe to Colin, call, and then come back and you can hit play. Okay, call. Sorry to interrupt. Thanks for subscribing. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, so w- that's the that's how everyone judges the success of their channel to begin with, is subscriber numbers. It took me six months to get to one hundred subscribers. Six months. Wow. I never thought I would get to one hundred, and when I did, I was like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever." <laughs> then it took six months more to get to a thousand. So it was you know the growth started to kind of really get going mm. um or was it six months or maybe it was a year i think it was a year to get from a hundred to a thousand i have a chart actually which somewhere um i've seen that, it that, that, that shows the growth um and then i got to ten thousand and you know what the funny thing is it's never enough <laughs> it's it's always there's always someone who has more subs than you and and you just constantly beat yourself up and so you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've got to 10,000. Uh, the next big goal is obviously 100,000 where I get that nice silver play button from YouTube. But the best thing that you can do is actually forget the numbers and just focus on the content um, because it's views that matter. It's views and how long someone watches because you could have... I've got 21,500 subscribers as of the recording of this video, but only 500 of those subscribers regularly come back. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and just one other thing, because uh, I'll get on to this, this, this is kind of the, the next big thing, is that in terms of businesses that do business with me because they found me on YouTube, very, very small percentage of them are subscribers to my channel. So subscribers, in a way, it's a good kind of social metric. If someone sees a channel with a lot of subscribers, they'll probably subscribe because they'll think, oh, this person's obviously got... But it doesn't actually mean a lot in terms of the real world use. I think what's important to recognize is that it's people at the end of the day. And how many Mm -hmm. people need to love you for you to see success? Yeah. Actually very few. Yeah. I mean, of those 
21,000 subscribers, how many could you service? Exactly. You know, that's a, it's a, it's a Wembley Stadium. You know, it's, it's a live aid. How many of those would you want standing in a queue? You'd probably have a meltdown yeah. um, to do that. So, yeah, you don't need everyone. Um, for me, it's I suppose it's slightly different in that I started creating this basic design knowledge for business owners to help them have better communication with designers. But there are also a lot of people out there who are on their journey to becoming designers who are watching my content for that reason as well. So I have uh, the majority, I would say, of my, I would say pretty much all of my subscribers are people who are interested in design or are designers. The ones who aren't subscribing are the people who are coming to me for work because those tend to be business owners who are looking for they have a question they have a business problem and they've done a google search they may have done a youtube search and they found my content they've got the answer they've maybe watched a few more videos and then they've contacted me they have no need really to subscribe to my channel designers on the other hand know that i'll be creating content over time and they will always be learning because they want to be designers they will subscribe so just to reiterate don't get too fixated on subscribers and um, what i would say as well though is and don't be tempted because there is the option to hide your subscriber count um that actually has a negative effect on your channel from uh, a lot of people who've done studies if you hide your subscriber number people wonder why why are you hiding that um, there's no shame in having 23 subscribers or two subscribers. Everybody started at zero. Just keep creating great content, useful content, and people will subscribe. Um, and so to go back to your question, so the subscriber numbers were kind of a, the first signal that people were enjoying my content. But the biggest signal to me was the day that I received an email from someone in America saying, hey, I've been watching your videos. I love your content. I love how you work. I'm starting a new business. I would like you to design my logo. How can I pay you? <laughs> that was it. And um, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I usually have to create a proposal, uh, you know, chase up a little bit, maybe haggle on the price a little bit to try and get them to come through. And I spoke to Chris Marr and said, I've just had someone say, how can I pay you? I want to work with you. They had one question, and that question was, um, do I have to pay VAT? Which <laughs> I didn't know the answer to because I'd never had a client outside of the UK. Um, so I spoke to my accountant, and they said, nope, if they are entirely based outside of the UK, then they don't have to pay the 20% VAT, which was a good thing. You know, that saved them um, a little bit of money. And... Um, I'd said to Chris, I said, this is the easiest win I've ever had. And Chris went, you've been creating YouTube videos for 18 months. You've worked hard for 18 months to win this job. You've not got it for nothing. And it's easy to forget that. I, I agree. I think one of the things that really stood out there was that 
when you start creating content, it's allowing you to build relationships at scale. And people want to do business with the people they know. Mm-hmm. And through reaching out through YouTube, the brain of the other person, as far as they're concerned, they know you. And I remember there are people, influencer type of people that you and I both follow. Everybody follows some of these people. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I started to meet them on a regular basis, it's a very strange experience. <laughs> yeah. Because I know them intimately. I know their children's names. I know what they do for fun. I know what books they're reading. They have no idea who I am. Yeah. And when that starts working in your favor, it's a magical thing. It and is. That, I've got um, uh, I someone send me an email. Uh, I hope they don't mind. Um, they sent me an email um, looking for some advice. Um, and I, I'd said, yeah, I'll happily help. You know, here's a link. You can book in a call with me. And they replied saying, thanks very much. I watch all your videos. This is going to be like meeting a celebrity. And I was <laughs> like, what? And it feels really strange because, you know, you're just you, Bob, and I'm just me. But to some people who, you know, they're watching these videos and, and you've really helped them, then they have a close affinity to you, but you don't know who they are. It's kind of this almost a faceless audience. And I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I, I, I absolutely love every single person that watches one of my videos, uh, subscribes to the channel, and and more so the people that take the time to leave a comment. How many times have we all watched a YouTube video and then just moved on to the next without yeah. clicking like or leaving a comment? It only takes five seconds, but it takes effort. And so anyone that leaves a comment on my channel, I will make sure to thank them and if it warrants a, a longer reply, if it's a question, then I will take the time and, and give them that question. But yeah, it's it's weird meeting people that you watch and listen to. So something I'd like to look at now a little bit is, okay, your business five years ago and your business now, What? how would you contrast them? Uh, I would say five years ago, my business was local and now my business is global. And from a commercial perspective, do you see much of a difference? Um, Not going into too much detail, but uh, are you, you living mean, the same life you left led, led, lived then? Um, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing more of the work I enjoy, right? Uh, which is a big thing. Uh, I was doing a lot of, I was probably having to do. There were some months I was doing a hundred jobs to to make a livable wage you know that would be like business cards and flyers where you don't really make much money but they're quick turnaround but Mm. at the same time that's a hundred different people i'm having to deal with on a monthly basis emails back and forward whereas now um i tend to work on one main project and then have smaller things kind of going on around it so I can give much more focus to my client, which means I can give more focus to the project, uh, which means a better result. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's still, it still has its stresses. Um, everything does, but I'm in a much different, I'm in a totally different space to where I was. I think the kind of work you described there is often, it's, it's transactional. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that used to bug me with that kind of work was frankly anybody could do it and it sounds like you're now in a place where you're able to connect your value with the work that you're doing much more of of the time 
I think so. Yeah, I, I'm still working on that. I'm still, I'm, um, I still suffer from imposter syndrome quite a bit, and um, you know this just what we talked about there a little moment ago about you know people like you know someone said oh it's like meeting a celebrity and it's like oh no i'm just call you know sitting yeah. in my office doing stuff and so that actually can can add to the anxiety a little bit because you feel oh they're expecting this thing this more of me <laughs> than there is of me um but it just the fact that i can now uh, that I'm now working with clients. I've got clients in Australia, America, South Africa, all over Europe. Uh, five years ago would have been unthinkable. Unthinkable. Hmm. No, um, I, it's, it certainly sounds like a, a very pleasant business to run. I, I know working in a small local agency, it can feel like a hamster wheel sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're off the hamster wheel, which is a big accomplishment in in our space. Yeah, I've got one. I think I've still got one leg slightly on, okay. <laughs> a little bit, but I'm definitely making the transition. And and uh, hands down, YouTube has what's allowed me to do that. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious to know what would be the one piece of advice you would give to anybody who's thinking about breaking into YouTube the way that you did five years ago. Uh. Don't worry about perfection. It's it can be a killer. Uh, you know, I have to have the right camera. I've got to have the right lights. You've got everything you need. Your smartphone. You you know, even if you have to use a, a lamp, but I would suggest you just daylight. You know, just learn about light. If if there's one thing uh, that people will won't forgive is bad audio. They'll forgive bad visuals, but audio is key. Um, People just will not listen to bad audio. Uh, and just, you just have to do it. Um, and as I know, it's there are people listening and they're going, I can't, it's too scary. And it is, it's scary. It is scary. But think about your closest competitor uh, if you're a business owner listening or you were, you know, think about them. Are they doing video? If they're not, you can get a really good head start on them. If they are, then you can't afford to be left behind. So there's kind of, you need to be involved in it. You do need to be involved in it. Um, just don't leave it too late. I think one thing I would add to that is that one of the things that I've discovered through the podcast or one of the advantages that I've found through the podcast rather, and video is really only amplifying that is that before content marketing you really all you've got left to compete with is your website your search ranking and your ability to mm -hmm. hustle and close a deal yeah yeah as soon as you start investing in this content marketing personal branding you start to separate yourself from your local competition in some significant ways and also you start to insert yourself into a national and international market in a way that you just don't expect Mm -hmm. so for me that's been an an additional benefit is i no longer think in competition in, of competition in the same way yeah it's um it definitely uh you'll be surprised uh, uh, i i'm amazed at the opportunities that i'm being in i'm sitting here being interviewed by yourself bob again something i would never have thought of five years ago i've spoken on stages at conferences would never have happened without youtube 
um, and doing video. Um, I've been asked to do uh, voiceovers. Uh, I've got a call tomorrow where someone in Germany wants to speak to me about um, helping them uh, with some video stuff. I get asked to do reviews of products and it's just, it's opened more doors than I had envisaged. Um, And if anything, we all need to be opening more doors um, to give ourselves more opportunities um, because otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's, it's competitive <laughs> out yeah. there, um, you know, and we need to, we need to give ourselves all the chances that we can. And sometimes that just means stepping right out of your comfort zone to do that. And that's where everything worth having is. Yeah. Colin, we should probably draw, th- Colin, I'm so sorry. Call. <laughs> We should probably draw things to a close. I have a signature question I try and remember to ask everybody. And that is, what's one thing you do now that you wish had started five years ago? Uh, that would definitely be, I wished I'd started to collate uh, an email list um, when I started my YouTube channel. But I should have been doing it for years because it's the, it's really the one thing that we control. Um, and I, I wish that... Um, I'd had that list and at the end of every video I would say, you know, hey, please remember to subscribe to my channel and if you haven't done so already, subscribe to my email list where you will get great brand and design advice free every month. Um, But I only started doing that, well, I started my email list maybe about 10 months ago and I've only just started asking at the end of my videos to get people to subscribe. Um, I've heard that so many times. People with huge audiences forget the importance yeah. of email. It's crazy. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's the only way you can control a relationship online mm-hmm. other than chatbots. But then Facebook are going to change the rules. And yeah, so how can people get on your mailing list then? Uh, very easily. Uh, if you head over to rockyourbrand.co.uk, you can sign up there. Um, as I say, it's once a month. There's no hard sell. Uh, it's just um, I give things like uh, book recommendations on brand and branding. Last uh, month's edition was, funnily enough, about video and how to, you know, how you can kind of utilize video for your brand uh, to help it make more of a success. But uh, yeah, have productivity tips, all sorts of things on there. So yeah, why not sign up and join a few hundred other people who are getting that information to their inboxes? Call Gray from Pixels Inc. You have been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for your time. Super generous with all the tips around YouTube. It was a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. Like they always say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is right now. And if you think it's too late for YouTube, then think again. You don't need a massive audience to see success. Just a handful of the right people can do it. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And again, if you haven't, join our Facebook group. You can find a link in the show notes at amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I'd love to connect with you on social media and you'll find me wherever you hang out. Just search at Bob Gentle. And if you do, message me, let me know so I can follow you back. And more than ever, I would 
appreciate your subscription on YouTube more than you can appreciate. Uh, YouTube is early days for me. I'm enjoying it. It's a bit of a challenge, but every subscriber counts. And if you enjoy this podcast, you'll almost certainly enjoy the YouTube content as well. If you have enjoyed the show, then as always, I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me, and it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Carl for giving us his time this week and to you for listening and see you next week.